0: Welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox meeting of adult children of alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Anne. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We are recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Also, whether you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes or Stitcher, please take a minute to rate our podcast. It will help others discover it. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting in your area, go to adultchildren.org and click on Find a Meeting. This week, we're hearing from our friend Sabrina, and she talked about how working the steps helped her recovery. Please enjoy.
1: Can I get a five and a two? Hi, I'm Sabrina. Sabrina. Um, I'm really nervous. Speaking in front of a group is incredibly nerve-wracking for me. So I hardly even ever share. Um, So I apologize if I skip around or don't make any sense. Um, I was going to talk about the steps as a tool and self-love. The steps have been really um, life-changing for me. I think just the practice like having some work to do um, feels like progress it feels like homework in the school of like emotional well-being or something um, and I always find that if I put my life down and get into my step work that there's some like gem um, that's like directly al- applicable to like whatever I'm dealing with in my life if it's just because like ACA stuff sort of permeates all aspects of my life but um, it always seems a little bit magical Um, so like recently well I'm on step 10 um, and like just what's going on in my life I've been like totally over the past couple weeks obsessing about this new person that I met and I don't know much about him and so it's this constant sort of buzzing in my mind is he gonna text is he not gonna text um, does he like me? Does he not like me? Oh, my gosh, he texted just like shooting into the future. Like, how's he going to you know, integrate into my friend group? And I'm going to invite him in, on our like group vacation in March and just like weaving him into my life in this like delicious sort of like refuge of a fantasy. Um, and that's what it feels like. It feels like um, like someone it feels like being rescued, like like I've been waiting this thing to happen and all of my problems are going to be solved. I'll finally have love in my life. I'll finally have a family. I'll finally sell a script. All of the pieces that I struggle with are just going to magically come together. Um, And then I open up step 10 to do my work and think about what I'm going to say here. And it starts, I'll just read this little couple of paragraphs have more we have more courage and inner strength than we think it is essential that we practice aca in every area of our lives to continue to grow emotionally and spiritually we cannot let another person's behavior divert us from our program or give us cause to wander and live unfocused lives we learn to spot red flags which once served as excuses to run from our problems with step 10 we learn to recognize the cues that lead to fantasizing or dissociation many adult children use fantasy daydreaming and splitting off to avoid being in the moment We also learn to recognize when we are obsessing on another person or activity to avoid feeling or staying in the moment. With step 10, and with the help of our sponsor or counselor, we can disrupt a fantasy or dissociation episode. When these dissociative moments happen, we relax and think about what might have happened leading up to the moment. Sometimes the triggering activity occurred days before or hours before. We stop and breathe and get in touch with what is happening. We give our program a chance to work and to meet this challenge. We can make it. We can do this. We can survive our feelings and memories and heal. It was just like, whoa. <laughs> um, and I feel like that kind of thing happens all the time. Um, so a little bit about me. I've been in the program for a little over a year. I got here at the end of a rollercoaster relationship on the heels of a few other roller coaster relationships. And um, it was this push and pull pattern where he's a, he is an addict, um, and they usually are. Um, him, it was weed. I didn't really think that was that big a deal. Um, but it wasn't just like, oh, smoke and have fun or relax. It's like all day, every day. And if it wasn't weed, it was another substance. Um, so. All of my energy went into supporting him and his moods and his depression, taking responsibility for his moods, trying to cheer him up. Um, And then at a certain point, feeling like my needs weren't being met. And then I would dig in my heels and be like, my needs aren't being met. And he'd be like, well, I guess I can't meet your needs. (laughs) And then we'd break up and then we'd both suffer these like overwhelming abandonment feelings. Then we would come back together and there'd be heightened intimacy. And that was sort of like the pattern, these explosions and then the intimacy um so when it finally ended i was devastated i thought we were gonna take a two-month break and i thought i'm gonna do all of this work and fix myself so i could salvage the relationship um he went off in his two months and didn't do any of that work um so then it has been this year also of a roller coaster of still being involved pulling each other back explosions and this like uh, very much mimicked my relationship with my dad. Um, so like my childhood history, um, both my parents were alcoholics when I was really young. I don't really remember it. I remember them having explosive fights, throwing things at each other. Um, I later learned stories from family friends or people around. We used to hang out at this bar when we were really young and the bartender was a family friend and she would say that my mom would get smashed and leave me there and she'd take me home. Um, then when I was about eight, uh, we moved to Hawaii and my mom left. Um, and I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of abandonment that just happened because they were alcoholics. But um, that's the most like palpable abandonment wound that I have. And um, she came out. She was gay. Both of my parents cheated on each other constantly. cheated on all their partners, multiple, multiple partners. Um, the stories of my mom hanging out with soccer Sue. She was my soccer coach. My mom's name was Sue. Um, so we stayed with my dad and my mom's story was that my dad intimidated her out of fighting for custody. Um, but now knowing my mom, she's pretty, um, self-centered person. But, um, and so we wound up lying, my brother and I, was me and my brother, we wound up lying to her about my dad's raging. At this point, both my parents were sober, but my dad was definitely a dry, drunk, raged, um, paranoid, depressed. Um, We lied to her about him still raging. He never really hit us, but he'd threaten us physically, and he'd come at us with that force. I was always terrified that he was going to hit me. And every day it was a screaming match, room being a mess, dishes not being done, what's wrong with you? Constantly still that voice is in my head, what's wrong with me? Um, My stepmom came on the picture, very depressed, addicted to pills, binging on Ambien, watching, TV all day long in their room, eating bowls and bowls of Oreo cookie crisp cereal. I just remember that, her eating cereal all day. (laughs) Um, And I remember thinking when I was like 15 or something, I was like, I wish that I came from a more like broken family because all the greatest artists and writers come from these traumatic upbringings. Um, I guess it's be careful what you wish for. It wasn't until my 30s that all of like this started coming into focus and I realized the PTSD from all of it but um, uh, where am I now so yeah so fantasizing and dissociation was uh, my biggest way of separating from all of this chaos at home and there's so many layers of it I can't even don't have time to go into but um, oh one thing I did want to share I was just home, and I found this journal. I thought this was neat. You guys would appreciate this. I found this journal. It was probably the first story that I ever wrote. Oh, my God. Um, So uh, December fourth, nineteen 1989, I was seven years old. It's called The Helpful Bear. Once upon a time, there lived a bear named Lisa. She always helped people. One day, she went outside to see if anybody needed any help, but nobody needed any help. Then Lisa felt lonely. She felt like crying. Then she heard a noise. It was somebody calling help. She ran to where the the noise was coming from, and it was a fire. She ran to the house and rescued the person, and she was happy, the end." (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought that was so interesting that even at seven, my association with happiness was that there needed to be a crisis. (laughs) Like, thank God there was a fire so that I had a purpose, or at least I had a purpose. Which has uh, just continued my entire life, I think, as I've jumped around uh, from relationship to relationship, from state to state, um, in the midst of chaos, just creating chaos. Um, oh, what else was I going to talk about? Um, how much time do I have? Okay, wow. Um, Yeah, so I guess we'll go into a little bit more about um, that relationship. Um, So I I found the program. I thought I was going to fix myself as fast as I could. Um, I lost my train of thought, um, so I guess what I was just going to talk about was, um, this idea of putting all of my energy on someone else, um, and I guess underneath that is just the absolute, like, lack of self-love, um, and this program has been so helpful in me just like learning how to do the smallest things to make myself feel um centered um and mm, validated from within instead of constantly seeking external validation um so it's going to read a little bit about self-love in here um So the life beyond survival is a life of self-love, but lack of self-love was our dilemma. How can an adult child who is taught from the earliest years to abandon himself truly love from the inside out? We have an answer grounded in ACA experience. The love is there and God-given. The love has always been there. We need a power to reawaken this love from within. The main focus of this book is to help you find a power greater than yourself to transport you from mere survival to self-love. We believe that loving oneself is the only way we can truly recognize God because God is love. Learning to love ourselves and connect with our higher power addresses our original cause of self-hate or self-abandonment. Since childhood, we have carried a wound created by our our primary relationship with our parents or family. We were ruptured emotionally and spiritually as children. To survive, we live by the laundry list traits which reject self-love and God. Driven by fear and para-alcoholism, we sought an unending number of relationships, schemes, and addictions in an effort to connect with someone who would fix us or let us fix them. We tried hard, but it never worked. We cannot find love or a higher power in someone else. It must begin with us. Um, I don't really feel like I have too much more to say, um, so I'm just going to end with that. Thank you. <laughs>